the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Welcome, friends, to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I am Jenna Ellis. Anna, I want to start out by saying that, you know, we have seen a total failure of government, and the botched exit from Afghanistan makes us less safe than we have been in years. The disastrous economic policies have inflation soaring, and even your freedoms and liberties are at risk with outrageous government overreach, the closing of businesses, and all of these insane mandates that violate our U.S. Constitution. And the bottom line is that we're in the midst of a failed Biden presidency, and I really think that things are going to get worse before they get better. So now is the time for Americans to take steps to protect our finances and retirements. When times are turbulent, you need an asset that protects you, and that's why I believe in investing in gold and trust my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Gold offers a hedge against inflation and protects you from the volatile financial markets. Legacy Precious Metals is a company that you can trust to give good patient counsel for your personal situation. Their team of experts has decades of experience helping Americans like you and me make the right decision for ourselves and our families. So call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903. That's 866-528-1903. Or you can visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. Hey there, folks. A lot of times people ask me, Eric, why do you live in New York? Well, Part of the reason I live in New York is because people come through New York. People come to New York. And when people come to New York, I get to see them. For example, my friend Jenna Ellis came to New York today, and I said, Jenna, would you have time to come on the radio? And she said, I'm pretty busy. And I said, I don't care. You need to appear in my courtroom. And here she is. Anything for you, Eric. And I'm, it's so great to see you, my friend. It really is true. People come to New York for yep. all kinds of reasons, and it's one of the reasons that I, you know, if I lived up someplace in Connecticut, you wouldn't be here right now, would you? Uh, no, actually, because the reason that I'm here uh, is to go to an event tonight as well to support our good friend uh, Andrew Giuliani, who's running for governor of New York. And how, he, how old is he? Um, is he old enough to run for governor? <laughs> yes, he is, even though he does have kind of the baby face. But, he's but do so we know adorable, how old he is now? Um, he's probably a few years older than me, so we won't go into exactly how old. But He can't um, be that old. No, you know, I'm, I'm, you know why I'm saying this? Because... I literally remember like it was yesterday. This is what happens. I think the older you get, the more time just more. I literally remember my father commenting. We were watching the news, and the eight-year-old brat, Andrew Giuliani, <laughs> disrupted his father's inauguration as mayor. Yes. It was the funniest thing. It was like everybody's nightmare. Like, I'm going to be you know, made the mayor of New York City. And my eight-year-old is going to be running around and no one can catch him. It's like one of the funniest things ever. So when people say, like, Andrew Giuliani is running around, I thought, 
but wait a minute. He the, can't the be running for governor. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like disrupting his father. And then he realized, yeah, Eric, that was like 1990. Yeah. Or 91 But, but or the something. 90s were only like 10 years ago, right? Because in, in my whole playbook, right. I feel like the first decade of the 2000s right. just somehow didn't exist. So every but time that, I'm like, But doesn't oh, yeah, that make 90s, sense? Like, like it was a moment decade. ago. And yet, that's 30 years ago. So, yeah, now maybe he's, uh, whatever, he's bumping 40. Okay, well, look, uh, I want to talk to you about everything. But l- let's start there because, first of all, for those who don't know you, shame on you. Uh, no, if you don't know Jenna, uh, how do I describe you? You are, first of all, now. Friend of Eric Metaxas. You're, you're a friend important. of mine. You have a podcast on the Salem Network. Yay. Salem Radio. Yes. You're a Newsmax contributor. Uh, you still have some affiliation with President Trump. Yes, I'm an advisor, good friend, and uh, was formerly the senior legal advisor to the re-election campaign and personal counsel to him while he was in office. That's right, and that's when you were hanging out with uh, Rudy Giuliani, whom you will yes. see tonight. Yes, yes. I wish I could be there. I'm sorry I, I can't know. be there. I wish you could be too, but he, I'm sure he sends his regards and uh, Andrew as well. And, you know, for everything that uh, Mayor Giuliani has been through, um, especially over this last year, it is just so insane how the left is coming after him yeah. for simply representing his clan. I mean, they're coming after me as well, uh, frankly, but not nearly to the extent that they are, Rudy. And um, from the profession and from the perspective um, of being a lawyer, you know, it used to be that if you represented the politically inconvenient candidates right. or um, the the politically inconvenient uh, people, I mean, look at To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, it was like you were you were lauded as a defense attorney like John Adams, you know, who represented people who deserve a defense. And so just because the left absolutely hates President Trump, they are now trying to turn the profession of advocacy into a political commentary. And they're coming after every single person that was associated with Trump in just such a disastrous way. And this has such an impact on the future of America, because if we tell lawyers that in order to advocate for a client, that means that necessarily you have to subscribe to their position and right. you will be uh, you will be liable for your bar license essentially based on not only the merit of their case but the outcome, then we won't have advocates anymore in the United States. It's funny. Uh, the uh, President Trump at some point, I don't know how he put it, he said everything cancel culture touches – turns to let's go Brandon or so I can't remember the actual phrase my dad's new favorite thing to text me by the the way but the (laughs) the fact of the matter is that this is fundamentally un-American it goes against everything the left stood for for many many decades I mean when you think of To Kill a Mockingbird and you think of Atticus Mm -hmm. Finch um, it, it is interesting how there was this nobility in the profession I have a theory I've not really talked about it but Part of the destruction of the West is the destruction of the idea of roles and professions. In other words, if you were a teacher in 1940, um, <clears throat> you know you couldn't be seen getting drunk someplace. You would dress a certain way. Uh, if you were a doctor, you, you had a profession that it became part of who you were wherever you went. Uh, and the idea that the profession of journalist lawyer that even these things doctor are being attacked uh it's a bigger it's a bigger thing but mm-hmm. anyway uh i'm so glad to hear that um that rudy giuliani is is otherwise doing well i want to talk yes. to you about so many things i want to talk to you about vaccine mandates why don't we talk about southwest 
Airlines, which has been in the news very recently. I haven't followed it closely enough, which is why I have people like you come on the program. Yeah, so um, so Southwest, this has been really interesting. It's been trending uh, in the news since Sunday, and basically Southwest had to cancel over a thousand flights, and they claimed initially that it was for the weather, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of them were actually out of Florida, and ironically, I was actually out uh, speaking at a conference in Miami, and it was beautiful weather when I flew out on Sunday. So, um, so this was, of course, not weather-related. They're trying to claim that it wasn't for uh, pushing back against the vaccine mandates. But what um, a lot of people are, are speculating and what I think there is some merit to is that there is a group now of pilots who are saying we are refusing to be coerced by our employer to take the vaccine. And, in fact, the union of Southwest Pilots has filed a lawsuit in uh, the federal district of Texas pushing back on this and basically saying that um, this is now a unilaterally imposed condition of employment. And what's interesting, Eric, is that uh, traditionally conservatives have been kind of anti-union for a lot of really good reasons. Oh, yeah. And to say that, you know, we are coerced into having to give union dues and then they, of course, um, you know, funnel those dues to Democrat candidates or things like that. But this shows the power of collective bargaining and of saying that if you're just one little individual person, I've gotten so many requests from so many people across the country saying, we need to have an exemption, we don't wanna take the vaccine. And to have this kind of collective bargaining power in the same way that you file a class action, in the same way that groups are powerful, this group of pilots is now pushing back and saying, we will not be coerced by our employer into, a, into unilaterally modifying our employment conditions to, uh, to take a vaccine that could, by the way, have um, a lot of negative uh, influence. I mean, there was a friend of mine who was even saying the other day that a friend of his, who is a pilot for a different carrier, um, has some anecdotal evidence to say that there have been some pilots who have had um, blood clots or, you know, the myocarditis, other things at altitude. And so there are a lot of pilots that are very concerned about that. Did I just hear that? Pilots flying planes because of the vaccine may have issues. That's, uh, it's extraordinary. I mean, there's a lot here. First of all, we typically think of unions uh, as being in bed with the Democratic Party. What I find interesting, and it's uh, uh, the cover of my new book is A Snake Swallowing Its Own Tail, craziness, looniness, um, lies eventually consume themselves. Eventually, uh, and you're seeing this on the left today, that if you push something far enough, it eventually eats its own. So here you have mm -hmm. a situation where uh, Biden and company are pushing this so hard that the unions, whom you would think of as solidly democratic, have said enough is enough, we're going to stand up against this. We even had BLM uh, protesting because a woman uh, going to Carmine's restaurant, whatever, was, you know, uh, was told, you can't come in here unless you have a vaccine card or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing this bizarre thing happening. It's actually really healthy. Mm -hmm. It's actually really wonderful. But I'm, I'm hearing a lot of truly horrific anecdotal evidence about vaccines. And you have to say anecdotal because, well, there's no studies. There's no. That's, That's the point. The point That's is the that point. How there's can no you studies. give people stuff and not know what it might do? Because let's say it's one in a thousand if you're that one in a thousand, where do you go for redress? Where do, where do you go to complain that you can no longer function that way and you weren't warned and you were coerced by your employer? Which is why I guess I always want to make the point 
you know, folks, you're not really being coerced. You're going along with the coercion. We're not at a point where anybody can force you. You're going to let them force you uh, or you're going to stand against it. And so even if you have to lose your job, you really do have to think, what if something bad happens to me? What's going to happen to my family? Who's, who's going to care for me? Are the people that say, hey, hey, come on, you can work here. Are they going to take care of your family? What are they? Mm-hmm. These are questions that we have to ask. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons so many uh, black Americans are not getting the vaccine is because they have a history of not trusting the government because the government has behaved poorly mm-hmm. with regard to them. So there's just something very interesting going on. I want to talk to you about a lot of stuff. Let's talk a little bit about religious exemptions. I didn't mention earlier, uh, you're a constitutional uh, legal scholar. You understand these things far better than most of us. Why, for example, and this I find bizarre, um, according to my friend John Zmirak and some others, all of the vaccines were made uh, with uh, fetal cells or tested uh, uh, with, with, fetal, with, with fetal tissue. So you would think the whole Catholic Church would stand against this, but uh, the Pope and many American bishops have said, no, we're fine with this. That doesn't make any sense to me. I would think that'd be the first place you can get a religious exemption if you're if you're Catholic. But so, what is the issue with religious exemption? Right, and and you would think that, but of course, the Catholic Church and even you know American Protestant churches have strayed so far from what the Bible actually teaches and from standing on the eternal, immutable, and errant Word of God. And so, we as Christians uh, need to make sure that we are always going back to the sufficiency of Scripture. And with religious exemptions, we are blessed to live in a country where our founders specifically text. Actually, uh, protected our ability to freely exercise our religion. Now, of course, like like many pastors, right, where uh, they will go to the text of Scripture, take out one or two words, and then build a whole sermon or a doctrine around it that's actually really different from what the text says. The U.S. Supreme Court has done that with the U.S. Constitution. They will take one or two words, call it a clause of the Constitution, and they'll build a whole doctrine around it, and it becomes something so different than what the text actually says. So in context... Our First Amendment, which has um, the free exercise clause in it um, and the two religion clauses, uh, basically in context when it says that um, – and the Establishment Clause is the other one – that the government uh, can't establish a religion but also that we are protected in freely exercising our religion. It's not just about saying I have a right in this country – to not have the government not allow me to go to church, but also that the government cannot compel me to participate in any sort of event, including a vaccine, by the way, that goes against my sincerely held religious beliefs. And so it should just be a matter of course that if you have a conscious objection, then you can say, I, as a Christian, as a Muslim, as a as a Jew, as any sort of religion. I mean, this covers all religions, uh, by the way, all faiths, all sincerely held beliefs. You should be able to say, I decline to be coerced into participation. But what we're seeing is that a lot of employers um, are not only requiring a lot of information for people to say, you know, well, you have to justify your religious exemption. We're also seeing that they want this so-called, what they're calling an interactive process that's basically an interrogation. I have clients right now that they have filed for a religious exemption on the basis of we're pro-life, that's what the Bible teaches, 
and um, I cannot take this vaccine. And the human resources department from the legal counsel of these employers want to sit down and basically interrogate them and say, is this really a sincerely held religious belief? And they're using this as a pretext to try to deny religious exemptions. It's, it's absurd. And I hope that uh, when there are more lawsuits filed, like just today in Texas, United Airlines was forbidden from enforcing their vaccine mandate against employees who are claiming a religious exemption. So we're already seeing that the courts are protecting this, but hopefully it'll be more than just Texas. Well, I have to say that this is a good teaching point because this is only something I've learned in the last years, but Americans really now need to understand what does the Constitution say about religion. And uh, I remember years ago, uh, Hillary Clinton referred to freedom of worship. And I remember mm -hmm. Chuck Colson at the time saying, ah, 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 wait a minute. Forget about freedom of worship. It's about freedom of religion. Freedom of worship mm -hmm. they have in China. You go into your little weird building on Sunday morning, do your little weird mystical stuff, and when you come out, you bow to the secular authority of the state. That's the opposite of freedom of religion. Freedom of religion says 24-7 you can exercise your faith, mm -hmm. you can live out your faith, you can talk about your faith, you can do things with regard to your faith, you can refuse to do things with regard to your faith. That is an incredibly broad right. And we in America, because we've been so blessed with freedom, have, have really just taken our eye off the ball in terms of what it is. And so oh, when yeah. somebody says do something, you go, oh, okay, without realizing, like, wait a minute, because I am science. free. I, well. We, just to be clear, let's say, I mean, let's speak theoretically, right? I'll be like our Arthur Miller with the Harvard Law School. He used to do these roundtable things on PBS or something. And you say, well, what about in this case? What, what if it's the bubonic plague? It's not COVID, which where people get a cold and they inflate the numbers and make it sound like everybody's dying. Let's say tons of people are dying in the streets. That becomes a different issue. In mm -hmm. other words, that if somebody says like, hey, I, I don't mind spreading the bubonic plague, you'd say, well your religious liberty doesn't extend to that because people are dying in the streets because the science actually backs this up. And you know what? A real pandemic doesn't need a very good PR campaign. If this were really, right. really something where people are dying in the streets and people were genuinely concerned that their natural immunity or their own um, just regular immunity would not protect them against getting COVID right. and recovering, then they may choose to take the vaccine, and that is a choice. But the important point of defining, um, as you said, free exercise of religion, not just of worship. Worship implies that it has to be in the, the four doors of the church, right. at the four walls of the church. Right. And that's where Christians have largely bought into this secular myth right. of the separation of church and state I, let, out of context. Let's pick up on that because this is, this is so important. Americans really need to understand this. What you said is that a real pandemic doesn't need uh, a PR campaign. It seems clear to me that... There's something going on that we've never seen before and that free people generally do what's in their best interest, mm -hmm. right? So maybe smoking is a good example, right? We didn't make smoking illegal, but we began to have you know, public service announcements and stuff because you're trying to help people, and then most people realize, yeah, you know, you're right. It's not good for me, but you're not going to put me in jail for smoking a cigarette. Well, this is a case where... There has been so much pressure being put on people, and I think for the first time, certainly in my lifetime, 
Americans are learning not to trust all these voices of authority. In other words, whether it's the CDC, whether it's Fauci, whether it's the, the president, whether whoever it is, they've been keeping track. They're not stupid. Mm -hmm. Americans, they're on, you know, watching the news every day, and they say, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense. Why are children in playgrounds, little kids wearing masks? It's enough to drive you crazy, and it's enough to make you feel like you live in so under Soviet communism, where everything's crazy, and you got to play the game. But we're gonna we're gonna game the system wherever we can get away with it. But we're no longer living like a free people. Uh, we're we're having to think more for ourselves, which in some ways is good, and in some ways it's not so good because uh, you know we shouldn't all have to be experts on on things. But right. I mean, everything I hear, uh, I was just talking to somebody about, you know, this vaccine is not for the Delta variant. And the Delta variant is all we're really dealing with today. Mm -hmm. So why are people even bothering to get this vaccine? In other words, there's all these unanswered questions, and the answer typically is, shut up, shut up, just just do it, just do it. And you will be censored if you even ask the question, and, and, which is very dangerous. And Listen, this program was knocked off of YouTube because I had Naomi Wolf on here talking about vaccine passports. And I thought to myself, what could be more American than a liberal and a conservative, a Jew and a Christian talking about freedom and America? We were completely wiped off of YouTube because of that conversation. And I thought to myself, this is what Americans want to hear about. This is what people want to get educated on. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Why would I need a vaccine passport to go to a gym, to go to a restaurant? And, and misinformation, that whole term of saying that somehow the misinformation itself is dangerous. And so we need to have these arbiters of truth from the government who will synthesize information. They'll analyze it and determine if we can hear it is incredibly dangerous and completely violates all of the freedoms and liberties and principles that our country was founded upon. The ability, um, again, in the First Amendment, f to free speech, to free exercise of religion, to freedom of association, it's speaking together about truth and also arguing together and deciding what we want to believe. And so part of free exercise of religion is not just the ability to go, like we said, and worship in the four walls of our church, but to debate amongst each other what is the truth, what do we want to believe, and to reject things that we personally may not believe in. And the government right. can't compel me to believe that the sky is blue. Now, that may be, people may say, well, Jenna, if you don't believe that, you're really stupid. You know, the earth is round. Well, you know what? There's flat earthers around there. And guess what? I think they're stupid, but they're entitled well, to believe that, see, the, right? I've, I've made this point many times on the program that in America, you're free to be wrong. Yeah. In other words, this has nothing to do with right or wrong. This has to do with the fact that if I want to say uh, vanilla is the best flavor, don't talk to me about it. In America, I can say that. People say, well, I don't, I don't know. I think chocolate's the best flavor. In America, you cannot force someone to believe anything, it's just always the way it's been. And you know and I know that the only time that changes is when those beliefs threaten lives or in other ways harm other people. So what they're doing now with this COVID uh, pandemic scheme is, is pure fear-mongering. I mean, yes. look, we saw this. Blacks were demonized in the South and lynched. Uh, Jews were demonized and murdered in Germany. Whenever you can use fear to whip people up, 
that life is at stake. If you don't do this, people will die. Every principle goes out the window. They go, this is the case where we don't care about your principles. I don't want to die. I don't want my family to die. That's basically what Fauci uh, and many people have done. And we have not seen it in our lives. It happened in the 50s to some extent. There was the, the fear of there's a nuclear, nuclear bomb going to hit any minute. That was at least more real of a threat. Uh, there was the fear of, you know, uh, communists in every part of the game. That was also somewhat real. But the point is we look back and we laugh at that. We mock the kids going under their desks and hiding in case there's a nuclear blast. There are going to be books written and movies made about the time in which we live, mm -hmm. about the intense fear-mongering that little children in playgrounds have to wear masks while they're running around. And it's absurd. It's absurd. And you're so right that it is fear-mongering. And your fear doesn't then compel me to give up or suspend my constitutionally protected rights. And that's really the bottom line here. And yeah. for people who have bought into this myth of a separation of church and state saying, fine, you're free to worship you know, in your church, but when it comes to being a member of civil society, you have to go along with the edicts of the state. That is missing the entire point of free exercise. Because if we look at the Bible and Hebrews 11 and 12 and the great um, cloud of witnesses, mm -hmm. and it's the Hall of Faith chapter, faith as a definition, religion, and exercise of my faith, in biblical terms, it means believing in the promises and the sufficiency of those promises of God and acting on it. Because if you only believe and you don't act on it, that right. is not exercising your faith. There's a reason the founders talked about exercise of religion, and right. that includes being proactive, and it also includes declining participation. Right. Well, of course, that's Bonhoeffer's big point, right, that cheap grace is not grace. Uh, if you don't live out what you believe, maybe you don't really believe it. You mm -hmm. probably don't, and you're not fooling God. You're not fooling the devil. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing a lot of today, that people, they, they, they give lip service to things, but, but they don't live it out. What we're going through now requires actual courage, which is why I want to talk to people like you on this program. I, I want people to understand where we are. Uh, and a big part of the problem is the ignorance of uh, many citizens about what America is, what our liberties are, and the ignorance of the media, the ignorance of people like Terry McAuliffe, we'll get back to him, <laughs> uh, who don't know the basics. And so we all think, well, uh, maybe I, I'm not so ignorant because everybody else thinks the same thing. Uh, we're going to be in big trouble. We're going to have a, uh, we're going to keep you into the second hour, folks. Don't go away. All right. Well, it is time for holiday cleaning. Before you replace your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing as this is one product that works. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine and it's green so it's safe for your family and pets. Genesis 950 is also made in America. So if you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to buy Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial strength makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. Genesis 950 is great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. It's also the perfect holiday gift for pet owners. Genesis 950 has great customer service, always willing to help with your particular problem. So order one gallon direct at Genesis950.com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and a $10 coupon using code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A, and that's Genesis950.com. 
folks, uh, I can't stop saying it. My book, Is Atheism Dead?, is almost out. If you want to pre-order a copy, uh, you can get it 45% off if you go to the right link at ericmetaxas.com. I think it's the Baker link. You have to look, but uh, that's an insane price, and that's going away. So I want to tell you up front so you don't email me asking, where do I find it? That's where you find it. I'm talking to my friend Jenna Ellis about the news of the day. We're talking about fear-mongering. We're talking about vaccine mandates. Can you give us an update, uh, since you know a lot about the Supreme Court, on what lies ahead? Because it is interesting to have a majority of uh, people that we would consider actual constitutionalists. What do you suppose will happen in the next term? Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating. The new term started uh, October 4th, and there are already a few cases on the docket that are going to be argued uh, into November and December that are going to have huge implications on uh, religious liberty, on abortion uh, in the United States, and on uh, the Second Amendment. They've actually taken up the first Second Amendment case since 2008 and uh, the District of Columbia versus Heller decision. So that'll be interesting. And, you know, before we get into uh, a couple of these cases, you mentioned, you know, we actually have a majority that are constitutionalists. Well, first, I hope so, and I don't categorize Justice Roberts at all. Oh, I wasn't talking about oh, him. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> so we, we hopefully don't make me laugh. have at least a 5-4. Right. But what a lot of people say is, well, you know, you're just as activist then as, you know, as the Democrats. Well, yeah. no, that's not true because right. wanting a conservative majority means we actually understand what the judicial branch is designed for, which is to hold accountable the two political branches and to make sure to preserve and protect our rights. Well, look, we've gotten trapped into this kind of language. The fact of the matter is, if you are not a constitutionalist, an originalist, in my mind, you're an activist, period. period. So you can Mm -hmm. call a constitutionalist uh, or an originalist, a conservative or whatever, but I would say they're not conservative, they're not political, they are simply good jurists. They simply understand what the Constitution says, given the context, they've taken the trouble, and they're not judges acting as judicial activists uh, as a separate branch of government. So we do get trapped into that, that they're conservative or whatever. We've I, they're, they're faithful it. to the Constitution. We, we hope so. And they, they have so over-politicized this, especially you know in the last uh, probably 70 or so years of the court. And if we look back at, you know, and I was uh, very heavily involved, obviously, uh, working for President Trump and um, during his administration involved in um, the, the nominations of, uh, of his three justices. And um, you know, to see how partisan and political that process has become is so unfortunate because um, who is on the Supreme Court should actually be the least of our concerns right, in America right. if we actually understand what it means to be a faithful jurist. And so what I hope is that we do have a majority now that is not going to be given to politics, is not going to be coerced or persuaded by the news cycle, mm. but is actually going to write opinions that are faithful to the Constitution. And one of them is uh, the Dobbs case, and uh, it's Dobbs versus Whole Women's Health, and um, it's a, a case out of Mississippi um, arose because they have a, uh, a ban on all elective abortions um, 
pre-viability. And so the certified question to the court is uh, whether all pre-viability elective abortions are unconstitutional. And the easiest way that the Supreme Court could answer that faithfully is to say, that is a question for the states. The federal government has zero power to coerce the states into how they best protect life. And so if Mississippi, if Texas, if all of the other states want to pass laws that protect unborn children, absolutely they have the power and authority to do that. They don't even have to reach the moral question. They don't have to comment any further. They could completely gut Roe versus Wade just through applying the principle of federalism. And I'm hopeful that a court who will not be coerced by politics will apply federalism okay. and give it to the states. That would be nice. But <laughs> when when this court uh, refused uh, to hear the case brought up, I guess, was Texas. Texas about versus the, Pennsylvania. Can, can you help me, a layman, understand how they could refuse to look at that? Political, politics. Okay, that's, but that's what, what does I mean, that mean? They're not was, supposed to be political. Well, exactly. And so this was so disappointing uh, to, to me, to the rest of the Trump legal team. Um, and, you know, in full disclosure, I mean, I was obviously a member of uh, Trump's legal team. And even though this particular case was brought initially by Ken Paxton, a great attorney general of Texas, 17 other states joined. And basically what they were doing was suing Pennsylvania and the other swing states saying, you didn't follow your own rules. And so we all participate in this process called the Electoral College. And if you cheat, that affects the outcome of the entire thing, right? It's, it's pretty like basic. If, it's like if all of these countries are competing in an Olympic athletic event and you have five different countries that go against the rules and they cheat, well, that affects the outcome of everybody, right? So this is a very simple case. And in um, in Article Three of the U.S. Constitution, what's called original jurisdiction, meaning you know we know the Supreme Court is the appellate court. People appeal things to the Supreme Court. Well, the Supreme Court has trial jurisdiction, like the, they hear the case for the first time. Mm. If it in a couple of contexts, one of them that is specifically in Article Three is a state suing another state. So very simple. It is the plain text of the Constitution. They had no, absolutely no authority or discretion to deny hearing this case. And Justices Alito and Thomas said that. But um, unfortunately, the other seven, which included all three of President Trump's appointees, declined to okay. hear it. How is it possible politics. Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett could have done that? It was so disappointing. And I think. I mean, we know it's disappointing. How is it possible that these brilliant minds, were they bullied by Roberts, who's screaming at them? You can't get involved in a presidential election. That's politics, and you need to stay out. Was that the argument that he might have used? You know, n nobody knows. And this is the thing that's really frustrating is that they didn't issue an opinion or a statement. They simply declined to hear the case. Yeah. And so nobody really knows. And is that possible? Absolutely. Is it possible that they didn't want to be perceived as political? So they declined it, even though that is an act of political will. Um, they, they were afraid that there would be riots in the streets. And you know what happens? If you're afraid that there are going to be riots in the streets, they're going to be right in the streets anyway, uh, and they'll probably be worse than the rights would have been in the first place. And what happened to doing the right thing regardless of the but outcome? You th know, see, I mean, but this is where point. you don't have people in government anymore, um, or very, very few, that will have the courage to do the right thing regardless. And if they had even heard it, I mean, regardless of the outcome of the right. decision, even if we disagreed with the opinion at the end of the day, if they had simply heard it, that would have been a huge victory, right. and that's what the left didn't want because what they want to say is that, you know, oh, President Trump just wanted to overturn this election. And he, right. well, no, if you're a candidate and you simply have challenges right. to how the election was. 
um, was conducted and administrated, of course she can bring it to her. Here in New York, your own Democrat mayoral candidate um, was is challenged, or it's not the mayoral candidate, sorry, it's um, you know one of the other, I think it's a Congress member, um, who challenged the validity of the election and actually um, challenged a number of ballots, and now is the nominee because of that. Well, that's okay when it's a Democrat. Democrats can challenge things, well, but Republicans apparently I honestly think that what it all boils down to is courage and that there are people, I've heard people say like, oh, well, they were afraid their families would be threatened. My attitude is like, if you have courage, either you do your job and let your family be threatened or you do whatever you need to do or resign. It's mm -hmm. very simple, but you can't keep the job if you're letting people get to you in that way. And so shame on every one of them, whatever reasons they might give, it is your job to do your job. Right. If you have some reason, some fear, get out, resign. But don't say, well, I'm gonna keep my job, I'm just not gonna do my job. That's effectively what they did. Yeah, and you know who else that applies to as well as all of the doctors across the country who are refusing to give sound medical advice and push the vaccine on people just because they're afraid of losing their job. I hear so many stories yeah. of people who have said even that their doctor will offline tell them, by the way, I don't really think that you need it for XYZ medical reason, but... I have to yeah. at least tell you that because that's I'm afraid of losing my job. You're not yeah. you're not actually faithfully practicing medicine at that point. Here's the problem. Those people are cowards. We need to bring a more vocabulary back into the culture. You can be courageous, you can be a coward, you can do whatever you like, but you will be called on it. And that kind of behavior is cowardly behavior, it's selfish behavior. Um, I wanted to end on a high note. I failed. Jenna Ellis. But the I high note is you. that you are boldly speaking with well, courage, Well, some of Eric, us can speak. And we will continue to speak boldly, and we'll continue to encourage all of you Amen. who are listening Amen. to stand up wherever you're at, speak, and act boldly with courage. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.